0: The Ealing Cricketer. It is our absolute honour to welcome someone new onto the podcast, our first interview in a while. This guest, he's played 81 Prem games with 2,553 league runs at 37.5, 16, 50s and 5 tonnes with the best of 151. His stats continue into the first class game. He's got 37 first class games under his belt. 1,400 runs at 26, 200s and 850s. He's a current Middlesex pro. He's practically been at Ealing since the womb. He hasn't hit a League Six since 2017. He is Robbie White. Robbie, amidst all the cricket you've played, is Harrow versus Eaton still the peak of your cricketing career?
1: (laughs) Wow, what an intro that is. Well, it's an absolute um, honour to be joining you, Mungo. So thank you for having me on. Um, Big fan of the podcast uh, just to just to let you know,
2: uh, I am here, so you're you're more than welcome to say a few words about me, Robbie, if you'd like. Otherwise, carry
1: on. Oh, you're you're on it as well, Lee. Okay. Um. Now it's not <laughs> nice to be uh nice to be joined with the both of you. So what that what was that question, Mongo? Sorry, is it? Oh, Har- Harrow versus Eton, still still the peak of your cricketing career. Is Harrow Eaton? Oh, no.
0: Good place to start. Anyway, why don't do we crack on, <laughs> uh, Robbie? <laughs> let we're dying we're dying to know. Talk to us about the shoulder. What's happened? How did it happen? What's the time frame saying?
1: Yeah, so it's a, yeah, a bit of a quiet time at the moment. So last, last week it was, um, Sunday last week, uh, in the field, sort of, yeah, switching off, not much going on at mid off. Um, the ball gets hit down the ground um, to my right, and I've had issues with my right shoulder. So I thought, uh, yeah, make sure I protect my right shoulder. I'll go left over right. Um, goalkeeper style so um, achieved the goal in protecting my right shoulder but sadly uh, weight goes through the left shoulder and it dislocated straight away um, so yeah that was a, a painful hour of my life with my shoulder not in the right place um, thankfully the uh, the staff at I think Raw Sussex a and were very good so shout out to them um, and managed to get it back in place with some uh, sort of sedative um, uh, painkillers which are great and so yeah went back in and then basically done nothing for a week and sort of trying to slowly get it moving again hopefully playing the next sort of two or three weeks so yeah a bit of a bore a um, bit of a bore and yeah all part of the game but um, a bit frustrating when you're sort of in the rhythm of the playing and then suddenly it uh, comes crashing down. From memory and this is going back a a few years. Didn't your, didn't your
2: brother have the same issues? Shoulder problems? Yeah. He was always injured, never played a game.
1: My brother had shocking shoulder issues. So he, um, yeah, his shoulder was out the first time for about seven hours. So he and then came out. I remember a, a game at Ealing. Um, I was there when his uh, yeah, his shoulder came out. That was for the, after he had an operation. So it came out again, which was pretty shocking. So yeah, I messaged my parents last week and said, for all the great things you've given david and i over the years shoulder stability and strength is not one of them so yeah we've been unlucky
2: how are your mom and dad's shoulders
1: they're okay my mom and dad's shoulders are fine i don't know maybe it skipped a generation or something um yeah it's uh it's not been great for david and i um lucky we don't play you know sports that are related to throwing and um yeah, overarm activity and diving on the ground. So yeah, picked the wrong one there. I think. Why
0: don't we touch on on injuries more broadly and in and in the professional game, is, is that in your experience, you think, the, the toughest aspect of, of professional sport?
1: Yeah, I think it, it definitely is one of them. Um, I mean, I, I was speaking to another guy, a couple of us on the uh subs bench at Middlesex at the moment who are out with injuries. We were there watching on Thursday, and we were talking about it. Like, you you almost feel like completely Worthless really because you're the one thing you're supposed to be doing that you get paid for, you literally can't do, so it's quite a difficult um, process to deal with mentally. Um, I mean, I'm lucky that it's only a sort of short injury and I'm, I can still do, um, you know, some form of exercise and stuff like that. But I think it's definitely one of the biggest challenges that all of us face. And you know, some of the bowlers who get stress fractures, things like that, you know, they're out for six eight months, um, so. Yeah, it's a uh, it's something that you know is is part of what we do. So you've got to sort of find coping mechanisms, but it's uh, it's not enjoyable. Um, and yeah, you've got to sort of get other things going on in your life almost to try and get you through it, so you're not sort of sat at home just looking at the scorecards, thinking uh, thinking you're you're useless. I've just
0: had a thought, Munger, and oh, you'll probably agree. I mean, we are very good at this podcast, but we don't get paid for it. No, we don't. No, we don't. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a mission of love. Well, like, you have to think of the fans, though, Lee, like the number of people that would have been going down to the game this week just waiting to see Robbie glide them all down to third man. And yeah.
1: he's surprised all of them of that. I
2: think it's more of a backward point of myself. Not, sorry, man. No, backward point.
1: <laughs> backward point. Like, apparently the attendance was much higher for the last game, which was weird. I <laughs> 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 don't know what happened. Must have been the weather. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, let's take it back, Robs. now now to your youth, that you joined Ealing early, early, early.
1: Yeah, basically as early as I can remember, probably from about six, six years old, I reckon. And so
0: what age did you start playing, start playing the senior stuff then?
1: Oh, I didn't start playing senior stuff till I was probably 12, 13, I reckon. I love how you
0: make it sound like that's a late. <laughs> didn't start playing till I was four. <laughs> <laughs> um, six years of my cricket life were not playing men's sport. It was bizarre <laughs> those first. Six, but
1: yeah, yeah, I had to wait, wait my uh wait my time to, to play in that. But I mean, yeah, I mean my early memories from healing with the core the summer courses really that was um you know and I think I know Lee Lee is on this podcast, so I I probably should mention him, but um yeah, Lee and uh, you know halty and Wello, those guys who ran those courses had a huge um, influence on a lot of players of my sort of um, age group and was why there were so many good players who came through that that system um, I remember Friday nights with uh, June and um, Mervyn mantle um, and the, the cult setup was such a, a great place for yeah young people to be around and um, and we had a lot of friends there and Friday nights we used to come and play. And then the, the parents would be in the bar drinking and we'd sort of just run around. Um, yeah, just doing all sorts of stuff. But it was it was a great place to be as a young, um, as a youngster. And yeah, all my sort of young first memories in cricket were based around Ealing, really. Lee, throwing
0: over to you as, as someone that was coaching at that time, how how early were you guys aware that you had a pretty good crop of young players coming through or, or was by the time you were doing that were you already seeing the fruits of that labour in the first team that must have been during the time when we were being very successful I imagine
2: yeah it was you could always you could always tell who the players were that that, that might and I use the word might because to, to actually make it is, is very 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 difficult um, and Robbie will probably will probably say that and you do you do see from a very young age you know probably around the, the 8 to 12 mark where that's you know the progression sort of really does kick on, and you you, you can there will be one or two. And we're a massive club, as, as Robbie would, would would say as well. There would only be one, two, maximum three that potentially out of out of out of a whole age group, and I'm talking between under eight and under twelve, that potentially could go on a, a, and make it. But it the hardest thing was is that the the coaching is done in just such a mass scale. Um, that maybe I'll, I'll fire this question, Robbie. What 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 sort of changed for you from that under ten, under twelve stage where you then sort of kicked on it? Did you did you get into the county stuff early, or how did it be, how did it become how did, how did you know you would become a, a professional
1: cricketer and when? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I played sort of from the the middle sex age groups from under nine under ten, um, but it was I don't think I, I ever sort of felt at that age that it was you know something that I wanted to do later in life really it was just I really enjoyed doing it um, and I played a lot of other sports so it was all part of what I really enjoyed doing. Um, yeah I think only probably when I got into the academy at Middlesex when I was a bit older sort of 15-16 yeah 15 that it became more serious but up till then it was just something that I really enjoyed doing and yeah I just thought it was really cool. I remember my Saturdays coming down to the healing and just being in the net for hours and having the games on and it was just something really yeah exciting and cool about watching um, you know the first team out there and it was yeah it was you Lee and Blanny, and and Tahir and um, David Holt and Luke Stout and those guys who you sort of idolised at that age and you remember walking around and seeing them go up to the uh, up to the changing room and yeah it was just it was a really cool thing and I thought I think I always felt like I wanted to be out there playing and on a Saturday and you know in the first team that's not my first aspiration.
2: You never never mentioned Pep's. By the way, who was Middlesex? <laughs> I was just wondering why Robbie. Was any, <laughs> do you have something against him or no?
1: Nah, spinners aren't really in, important out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pets would be up there as well. Well, it's such an amazing team that you know was sort of at the club when I was growing up, um, and it was sort of Ealing was the you know the pinnacle of, of club cricket. So I think that was definitely a part of why I wanted to to you know play for the senior team and and work hard so that I could sort of try and you know play out there that was always such a big goal to be in the change room upstairs and to play in the middle at, at
0: on that then so this is a two parter um, one when when did you when did you get to join those guys for the first time in the ones and two when you did as a result of being around the club for so long those people coaching you you, you sort of idolizing them as you say was there ever an element of imposter syndrome, I suppose, and or is that and is that something that you felt joining other dressing rooms down the line? Um,
1: good question. I, first, I remember my first game. I think I was fifteen or sixteen for the first team. It was at Ealing against Hornsey. I remember it quite clearly. I think the issue I had, in a sense, um, at that age, was I was at, uh, away at boarding school, so sort of trying to um, yeah get a consistent sort of place in a team. Um, on the Saturdays was really difficult because I sort of missed the first half of the season. Um, so I didn't really have a sort of smooth ride into the um, adult teams. I did sort of, as I said when I was sort of 13, started at the, the fours and the sort of move up to the threes, which was great and really good and part of my learning. Um, but yeah, it was probably not till I left school that I really felt like a proper um, a proper part of the senior squad. but I, I, yeah, that, that first game, I remember, being in the dressing room and the sort of the um, the passion. It was quite a um, close game. We were trying to bowl them out and they were blocking. And we got a wicket. I think it was Pep's who got the last wicket, sort of with a few overs to go. And everyone went wild and you sort of realised that, you know, this is a, a big deal and it means a lot to everyone. And, um, yeah, it was just really cool to be a part of, um, to be a part of like, a you know, the first team, which you've always wanted to be. Um, a part of imposter syndromes I think I have felt that definitely at times throughout my um, development when you're looking around and you think yeah I've been watching you for 10 years or whatever Um, and I I think I did have that when I first came to E-Link side and I probably had that at times when I played um, in the professional game Um, and I think that's yeah it's something again you've got to sort of cope with and try and get confidence from what you've done before so that you've got a bit more belief and you're not sort of awestruck so that you can uh, try and perform well. Yeah, tough questions. Yeah, no
0: easy rides, yeah?
1: No, nice.
0: Slightly easier question then. Favourite person to bat with at Ealing in your time?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
2: So another easy one, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what stands out to you when you, when you said that and, uh, and you piped in, Lee, was your 100 against um, Eastgate? You remember that at Ealing, because I was batting with you a lot of it, or well, some of it.
2: It was at Ealing. Yeah, you were.
1: Yeah, that was a highlight.
2: I think I started crying.
1: <laughs> no, it was always it was always a pleasure. I think we, I think we um complimented each other quite well in our games.
2: Well, you got one. I got six. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, something like that. I, I think. Uh, Another one on the similar vein to Uli is Ollie in terms of someone who I like batting with because I think they it works quite well in terms of yeah one player who uh, potentially is more aggressive and I can sort of nerdle it around and give them the strike so yeah I've, I definitely enjoy batting with the, uh, the probably more power players I'd say. Uh,
2: we've asked a few people this actually with regards to batting with uh, with Ozi. What what is the chat at the end of each over? What is it about? Because we've had a few different answers. What do you two normally talk about at the end of each over, depending on the game situation, please?
1: I don't think the chat could have anything less to do with the game in hand. Um, Ollie's normally pretty tired because I've hit nerdled a nerdled to three to third man or something or hitting twos, and he gets annoyed that I'm not hitting boundaries like he is. Um, so it's probably, yeah, can we stop doing running or something like that? Um, he <laughs> does moan a lot, yeah, doesn't he? It's, moan, rarely, moan. It's, rarely an, <laughs> it's rarely an insightful... Uh, Sort of tactical view on the game that's going to help either of us. Um, yeah, just watching him from the other end, you know, obliterating attacks like he does is, a, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good viewing.
0: It's interesting that you bring up that that dynamic of you being a bit of a nerdler in an age where cricket is becoming way more white ball centric, especially when like people are growing up, ramping, watching. T Twenty cricket, the hundred, and that's been the case throughout both of our times as a cult, not just now. What do you think? Is there anything in particular you think meant that your skill set is as it is, like you are a very classical batter with a, a technique of a, of a real Red Bull purist, and that's where you're where you're thriving at in in your professional stuff as well, like your your biggest successes you have become in Red Bull cricket why do you why do you think that is and and was that always the case
1: i think when i was younger i was definitely more aggressive and that's probably part of you know when you're younger and the similar size and you know an age group stuff yeah i I probably score quite fairly i suppose yeah my (laughs) physically i'm not big but that, that you know that doesn't hold um other small players back from being explosive i think particularly maybe in my teenage years through school I played up quite a lot of age groups and I probably um, yeah co- or found a, a method of scoring that relied on using the pace and deflecting and yeah strong defense that meant that I probably yeah neglected and went away from that and that you know it's 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 good in a way but it's also sad and I feel that you know I'd, I'd really like to be, you know had, I've had more success in in white ball stuff and in T20 because you know it's a, that's a sort of really exciting part of playing and I lo- I love four day cricket and I you know I really enjoy playing that so it's not it's not a case of either or but you know it's it's yeah I, I would I would love to play more T20 cricket and you know I I've worked I've continued to work hard at that side of my game there's probably some catching up to do as you say from some of the young players who have been doing it for the last 10 years, when in the sort of key parts of their development, and I probably missed out on that, um, which is yeah, which is a shame, but yeah, m- maybe cricket's going more into specializing in you know, red ball and white ball, and that might come in um, more and more as a, as a sort of um, you know, players sort of find what they're good at and stick to it. So it's a tough thing, to, yeah, it's a tough thing to answer, but I think. I'd like, I'd like, you as a, as a professional player, you want to be playing all the games you can. So I'd love to be able to play more T20 and whiteboard stuff if, if possible. We will
0: be forwarding this, say so anything to you, straight on to Middlesex, just as a affirmation of your intent as well. Don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll get that through a few I'm sure that, that'll do it, yeah. That... With, with our length and our influence. Uh... Yeah, 100 and the RPL, I'd hope. From, yeah, from I, think this so. I think so, I think so, I think so. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> It is really interesting. That was a really, really considered um, response, Robs, and and very interesting to hear as well, Um, especially about the specialisation of the game. I think that's, I mean, it's such a topic of conversation given what England are just doing with their head coaches as well.
2: Oh, I mean, obviously, as, as as the best batter on the pot at the moment, um, Mungo, you, you can give us a bit of an insight into how your game is developing quickly?
0: Well, I, hey, I've I've always said the same things regarding batting. It's just as simple as, you know, playing the ball late under your eyes and, and hitting it back where it came from. And if that isn't where the ball's bowled, yeah, you just adapt and improvise. It just comes down to pure talent. So some people don't have it, I suppose. Um, I, I don't see Robbie taking
2: any notes, though. He's just sitting there staring at us. So
1: <laughs> The players like you, Mungo, it doesn't matter what format, does it? You know the the best players, the best players adapt. They thrive under the harshest conditions, and it's <laughs> instinct. Yeah, no, I'll uh, I look forward to watching you in the coming weeks, Munger.
0: Why don't we delve into into the the transitionary periods of, of your cricketing life? And you're as good a person as any that we'll get to speak about the differences between like like really good level club cricket, the the Ealing play, and and the more professional side of the game. Um what what sticks out um, to you? I'd say more on the field than off, because off the field I think it would be fairly obvious that you would imagine that most people are taking themselves slightly more seriously off the field in the professional game. Although that is not a that is not a hard and hard and fast rule.
1: I think with all these things, the margins are small and smaller than you think. Um with any sort of step up and level, the you know, there are a lot of players and you know in that that level below and some you know some make it through um sort of high level of skill. some it's um you know stronger uh, mentally and just sort of absolute dedication and will um yeah so there, there are a number of different factors i mean um yeah i was thinking <laughs> probably related to this um we were talking about ben compton the other day who um, you know played club cricket for the last probably five years four or five years um, and probably some would have you know potentially um, thought that he was wasting his time or thought that he was trying too long and now you know he's stuck at it and and he's it's come good late for him and he's flying so I think there are d- many different ways for people to um, get into the game um, but yeah it's, there's no there's no real <laughs> sort of obvious answer or silver bullet I'd say um I think obviously as you go up the the pace increases the level of intensity the consistency those are all things that I suppose a natural whatever step up you take from um yeah whatever level to whatever level um but I think yeah probably what's the most important thing is uh that is particularly with cricket is the mental side of it dealing with setbacks resilience um and that sort of determination to keep keep pushing through um and to try and get where you want to get to, I'd say. So
2: you're, you're basically saying that Jack Shepard can still make you?
1: <laughs> Jack Shepherd is, yeah, he's not done, I'd say. There's, there's, a, there's life left in his um, heavy length away swing um, to the right-hand bat, for sure. Robs, let, touching on resilience, you're, I mean, it's been a
0: tough time for Middlesex as a, as a side for a few years, and the few that you've been coming into the side. Um, and I think you'd probably say yourself that, I mean, you, you scored so you've scored so many second team runs in your life, but runs came pretty, they were pretty hard to come by a few early on in the country championship as they have been for Red Bull batters across the country for the last few years. Average has been way, way, way down on, on years in the early 2000s and stuff that must have taken a lot of mental strength to keep, to keep pushing, keep going away and working at that to have the year
1: that you then had last year. Yeah, I think. I mean, you you sugar coated that quite nicely, Mongo. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you were quite polite there. It's it was really tough, and I think, um, yeah, I've had a lot of frustration in, yeah, feeling that I was playing well and I was ready and having sort of quite a few goes here and there and and not doing well. And um, you know, as a batsman, it's quite clear, you know, you're you're judged on runs and that is your currency and um yeah it's really difficult when you can see black and white that your performances aren't good enough and it, yeah it's been quite a tough period in Middlesex have um uh, not done well and that's probably been tricky for some of us off players coming in but you know you know deep down that you've got to find a way to to um put performance on the board and that was really tricky and it sort of yeah it, it it was, a, it was a hard period and trying to just stick at it and trusting that what you're doing will work at some point was the sort of biggest challenge. And that was, you know, I was probably lucky in the, in the way I got my chance in the end. Um, but yeah, that was probably the biggest biggest difficult period that, that I've had. I was having
0: to think about this earlier, actually, um, when I was coming up with the question about, about injuries and that being the toughest aspect of professional sport. You mentioned the mental side of things. Do you think, and cricket I think is meant to have the worst um, rate of uh, athletes suffering from mental health. Do you think that there's an aspect of the fact that it is so easily accessible to people just because it it is in black and white? As you say, your currency is so obvious for everyone to see it. You can't watch a game of football. Let's, Let's say you don't watch a game of football and it's hard to then say, oh, the left back's rubbish. But you cannot watch a game of cricket Check the scorecards. Oh, he got three of twelve. Can't do it. And that you can be anyone and see that. Do you think? I don't know whether whether you think there's anything in that and in, in that being something that that adds extra pressure on cricket as a sport.
1: Yeah, I think it does for sure. And I think as batsmen, yeah, the, the most difficult challenge is dealing with low scores because you get low scores a lot more than you get good scores. So um, yeah, about that that 100, percent and. You know, the stats nature of cricket means that um, people are probably far more self-aware and self-critical and thinking about what other people would think of their stats and, you know, other players talking about other player stats. So it's, it is very much talked about in the game. And I think we see and we speak to each other um, as as, you know, as mates who play together in the team. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys find it difficult and have Times where they are really low, um, so yeah, it's about helping each other out and trying to, um, you know, trust what you're doing. As I said before, so that that you will come through the other side and it will come good at some point. So going off going off that then,
0: last year, average of average thirty five in the championship, which is cracking. Got that hundred that you've been waiting so long for, was. Was it were you just feeling good or was there was there something more perhaps technical that you, you felt like you worked at and so got real satisfaction from from that
1: coming good? Um, yeah, again, it's a good question. I mean, the year before 2020, I basically thought that potentially my career would be over. Um, so it was looking like it was obviously the COVID year and my contract was up and. Um, And they were sort of, yeah, not saying much. And then it was looking like I was going to be in in strife, really. Um, And then I ended up getting a chance for a COVID break and then um, managed to get a score and got that new contract. I think that coming into the next season and sort of starting and having a place in the team, yeah, just maybe I had the confidence um, and a, a consistent place in the side that I hadn't really had before. And then once you get a couple of scores, then you're turning up you are know, turning up knowing you're playing and you're not worried about whether you're playing or what you're doing. And then, you know, that makes things season you have a bad game and you're not that worried because, you know, you're still going to play the next game. And then you get, you know, a time where things are easier and you get runs. And yeah, so it's just sort of stemmed from a um, having a, a sort of consistent role in the side. And yeah, I just really enjoyed, um, you know, the tough situations that we were in and trying to Help the team and um, you know, battling hard and it, it was still a tough year so it was nice to get some runs but it was uh, it was not a great um, feeling in the, in the camp because we were struggling still um, so yeah that's been really nice going into this year that the, the sort of feeling and the results have been better yeah if that answers your question it's quite a long-winded answer
0: you've never really had that feeling Mungo have you just straight in the team yeah, it's not only that, straight in the team, but also I'm, I'm very different to, to Robbie in terms of how I respect my runs. I mean, he says that, you know, feeling the camp was down, his runs, yeah, blah, blah, but team wasn't doing great. Runs in a losing course. There's always something to be said for going back in the changing room and saying, I did my bit. I've got my runs. We didn't lose this because of what I just did. Although saying that, I did recently hole out with, with five to win and four balls left. So, I mean, it can happen to anyone, I guess. If it...
1: Yeah, the good thing about you, Munger, as well, is you found your consistent role in the side at number 11 over the last few years, which has been really good for the sort of continuity in your game. Um, just, you know, finding that, that role as a number 11 um, suited you really well, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And as you say,
0: consistency of batting number 11 is, and there is consistency in batting below the captain because no matter how well you do, you will never have done well enough. Um, I'm firmly of the belief that if I, that that, that was going to continue into this year, but um, Christian has, has relented, I think, because of his injury troubles. But when he gets back to full fitness, I can't wait to be back down at number 11 where I feel most comfortable. Robbie, in anticipation of this interview, it was only right that we got a couple of questions from some of your adoring fans. In this episode of the Ealing Cricketer, we thought that instead of doing our usual Ask ECC, we would do hashtag Ask Robbie. And we've had we had thousands upon thousands of messages, but three really really stood out. Um, the first one is from it's from a it's from a cricketer that's just come over from Ireland uh, called Bobby Gamble. And his question has come with a photo. Uh, The the photo in question uh, is of Robbie fulfilling some Middlesex media duties and helping out what what appears to be uh, a school cricketing initiative. Um, In the photo, crashing the ball through the covers for four is Boris Johnson. Uh, Bobby's question is this, uh, does Boris shout don't bowl there
1: after crashing go through the covers for four? That's, That's an elaborate question. I did have the absolute uh, privilege of yeah, watching Boris straight drive in number 10 Downing Street Garden this morning. Um, that was a very quick uh, photo. He's got to you there. <laughs> um, so it's throwing me off a bit. Is it, uh, it was actually quite remarkable. Yeah. But Boris, decent technique on him. Good straight drive. He clearly, obviously, public school boy. So he's played a bit um, growing up. But yeah, there was a was an aggressive straight drive. There was no um, there's no don't ball there, but there was sort of an a, a look to Michael Gove, sort of suggesting that you know that was pretty good. Um, you got to be happy with that, Gove, and uh, Gove sort of nodded back in appreciation. So yeah, that was that was my take.
0: Well, I don't know if either of you've seen the video of Boris playing rugby, but he does have have a real talent for these. For these public school sports, uh, there's a video of him um, <laughs> playing rugby and just running over a young child.
1: I think that's where he does his best work. I think and the <laughs> mixing with the uh, kids playing playing sport, yeah, you know, love
2: it. <laughs> for anyone who knows, their rugby it was a it was a pretty good handoff and a fair play to him. You know, you got to play to win. Um, Robbie, our second question comes from a certain Mister Andy Laws, and his question has multiple parts. Three. What is Robbie's stance? The cost of living crisis does he align to working harder or will he instead be seeking a better paid job and finally will he be letting go his ukrainian live in the butler
1: <laughs> these are an absolute shambles so, so let's start with the living crisis so there's three questions the cost of living crisis well the cost of living crisis is um you know a very serious issue we've uh, we've resorted to turning off our boiler entirely um, until we're actually going to use the hot water um, for a shower or um, or the washing up, so we're um, using some austerity measures in our house. To yes, yeah, annoying. I've put on the light for this um, for this uh, interview podcast, so it's that's uh, cost me a few quid, so that's a bit annoying. But yeah, we've um, we're sorry for taking up some of your bandwidth yeah, as well on the also, life, and we do really appreciate yeah, it's, it. Um, it's kind, of, yeah. So. Yeah, there's a, I'm sure lots of people will be um, doing the same, trying to cut down on energy. So it's obviously a, a serious issue. Um, yeah, got to find a way. The, t- the TV's um, off completely, not on standby. Um, so, yeah, it's just sort of finding ways um, to get by. Um, so, yeah, I hope that's a really insightful answer. I'm sure Boris will be listening in, maybe get that out to the uh, newspapers or something. But, yeah, what was the second part of that?
0: And ho- and hopefully
1: Andy, and hopefully Andy. And are you going to work harder, Robbie, or, or simply just find a, a better-paid job? <laughs> yeah. Well, currently I'm doing absolutely nothing, so I probably could I could probably uh, find about three other jobs. Um, so yeah, as a cricketer, you probably uh, that's probably a good option for for most people. I know Potters did um, work at the bar at Ealing, so that's probably a good example of someone uh, you know using their initiative to find another job. Um, working in the evenings in the bar at Ealing. What's the name of you your Ukrainian butler? My butler now. Yeah, that third one I'm uh, I'm going to have to pass. That's a scandalous um, accusation.
0: So the third question that we have comes from another young player, seeking to make their way in the game. It, it's Tom Shaw. Tom Shaw and he asks Robbie uh, which was tougher to take? your first rock for Middlesex in the championship or getting Darren Stevens for 99? Good question. I think they were both bittersweet, really. What was tougher to take? I'm interested to hear about how they were both bittersweet. I would have assumed that both were pretty bitter.
1: <laughs> well, I've actually got a photo on my wall, by, by my bed, of uh, the the Specsavers leave. Um, so, yeah, that's always reminding you know, me, that's uh keeping uh, keeping things in perspective. But well, that was that was good fun. I mean it was a, it was a great it was a great photo that I think I'll cherish um yeah for a long time. I think the 99 was bittersweet because I I was glad that I got a chance and I got runs and that was quite important at that time for me. But yeah, it was uh, bloody Darren Stevens. Yeah, that that did hurt a bit. Um so yeah, I'll go with the ninety nine. Aaron Stevens to, to, to see the future. I think if he keeps, yeah, he's just got to keep um, keep working on it. And uh, yeah, it's probably hasn't started as well as he had liked, but um, maybe some time in the second team. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be back stronger. Um, I mean, he's still, he's still only well, whacking him around, so yeah, he'll be fine.
2: And rapid, Rob. He's rapid.
1: Yeah, yeah he's quick.
0: Rapid to early second slip. Robbie, the three questions that we ask everyone on the podcast. What are the three questions we ask everyone on the podcast? You forgot. You forgot, them. You forgot them. one. <laughs> favorite it's, away ground. This is why you don't get paid. Favorite <laughs> away ground, bestie, and I'm actually remember. There we go. <laughs> you
2: see, this is what this is why I'm actually here. This is all I have to do. This is all I have to do
0: is hold this together. Robbie, there are three questions that we ask everyone on the podcast, and they are favorite away ground. And there's some real scope for you here after your fuse in the professional game as well. Best match tea and a game
1: you remember. I really like um, Teddington. I think Teddington's, yeah, lovely, lovely setting. I always enjoy playing there. And the wicket's normally good, um, which is a rarity in the Middlesex League. So, um, yeah, I've had some nice, uh, good days out at uh, Bushy Park with some beer in the background and some... Uh, and it's always a tough game. So, yeah, I, I enjoy going there. Yeah, what was the set? The second one was best tease? Probably Stanmore with a shout out to uh, Mrs. Rheingard. I think that was mentioned on one of the previous podcasts, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Steph Rheingard. She works in the Middlesex office, actually. So, yeah, it's a fellow Middlesex and uh, Stanmore. Yeah, she, uh, she does a fantastic job. Um, Sad to see that you can't put aside your Middlesex <laughs> bias for that, for that question. But um, a game you remember? game I remember got to be the, um, the final of the t20 in 15, was at that, that Cardiff um, yeah an incredible day um, and yeah it was a, it was amazing to um, to sort of have that moment of adulation with everyone um, at a sort of amazing yeah venue under lights and sort of win as convincingly as we did um, yeah, that was, that was a really memorable, memorable day, which we yeah, shared together. And I think that was a fantastic memory.
2: I remember on that day, you hit the winning runs, but not through yeah. backward point. Yeah, I think it was a good wicket
1: that day, wasn't it? I think there, were, there, might, have been a couple, there might have been a couple in front. Yeah, it got through nicely. I think it was a, like a little,
2: little half scoop, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, some sort of, um, probably some uh, ungainly heave on the leg side. And yeah, Pepsi threw his gloves in the air. Always, always remember that. There's
2: a good video of that actually on the, on YouTube at the end. I think you start jumping up and down, and then he just walks down the wicket and yeah. starts throwing <laughs> everything everywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was fantastic. It, it was, was a great day, wasn't it? Brilliant. Such a good day, such a, such great memories. So good, Robbie. Absolutely wonderful to have you. And uh, we've we've come to the end, but from what it sounds like, we'll be we'll be seeing you very shortly. So. Go well until then and can't wait to have you down at Corston Road very soon.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be, uh, to be with you too. It's an uh, absolute joy and yeah, privilege to be uh, on the pod. And yeah, look forward to seeing you down at the club soon.
2: Obviously from the pod and all the ECC and the community, we wish you all the very best with your uh, a speedy recovery, Rob. And the, uh, the sooner you get back out uh, onto those 22 yards, it'll just be better for the game and for everybody. In, involved in uh, in Middlesex and at Ealing as well, so we are uh, yeah. We can't wait to have you back and uh, yeah, keep going sunshine. We love you, guys. thank
1: you. Very kind. love you
2: take
0: the Ealing cricketer.